and I can't actually because the idea for Trackman came from a dream that my husband had and I don't know if Trackman if he said if that was part of his dream or not right but I can't remember where it came from so I think it must have been part of that dream uh-huh yeah. oh that so. is interesting um <laughs> well I, I we, well before we get into this I'd like to know more about this dream <laughs> that your husband had um we're with a this is Scotch Way podcast and uh, we're with a author, Katrina Child, and thank you for coming through thank to Glasgow. Thank you, thank you for having me. Um, we're going to talk about her novel, uh, Trackman, which I uh, reviewed a while ago, and it's a, it is a tremendous book. I, I mean, you know I really like thank it. For, honestly, <laughs> you've seen what I've written about it. Um, and you were saying it was kind of inspired by a dream of your husband, so tell us a yeah, bit more about that. Yeah, well, he had this, he has weird, he has weird dreams. <laughs> he, he keeps a wee thing on the computer of dreams oh, that could be films. Oh, that's a great idea. But he woke up with this dream and him and a friend were on an underground train and uh, there was a girl crying on the underground and his friend handed her some headphones and she put them on and uh, she stopped crying when she was listening to whatever the music was and he said that everything went all strange, like kind of cartoon-like around her and then he, he woke up. So you say you kind of nicked your husband's so I did, ideas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're not on his computer <laughs> looking at his dream file, going, ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so perfect time to kind of uh, talk about a, the, the the concept of the book Trackman. Well, it's all about kind of the healing power of music, mm-hmm. and I've always been really, I've always been into music, but I like the idea of the fact that when you hear a song. Um, or a piece of music it can take you back to a certain memory or remind you of a certain person or a certain place so it's all about the way we kind of make associations through music and uh, what it means to us as human beings mm-hmm. basically because it's yeah it plays on our emotions it's really universal everybody's got a favorite song or a favorite band yeah i think that's right and sometimes it's not even your favorites yeah it's, it can be uh, i said in the review that uh, I, I remember blubbing to uh, anything for you by Gloria Estefan. <laughs> I was just, I must have been in my boots, I don't know why. But this, this, the, 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 the verse uh, hit me. I just sort of, poof, I don't know what was happening. It was probably something deep rooted. But, um, and sometimes that can happen, you know, it, it, a piece of music can absolutely affect yeah. you more than, I, I think more than, the closest I would say would be a line of poetry. But I think, you know, something like a novel in the whole, you know, it's much too complex, yeah. whereas a line in music and a line in poetry can really do that and affect you. I think it does, yeah. I think, like, the thing about music as well, it really plays on your emotions in terms of films, if you think of, like, a film scene with, That's very without true. the music, then I don't think it would have the same emotional Yeah, emotions. well, we talked about soundtracks last time, and um, it has to be right. You know, sometimes there's a piece of music which absolutely destroys the scene because it over... One of my favourite... Um, scenes in any film is in Last of the Mohicans where um, she, he's, the, the, the young lover is just killed and she just drops off the edge of the cliff. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, and that is heightened by this kind of really subtle use of music kind of underneath it. So you had an idea of a soundtrack for the novel because that's what I think about it. I think this is a yeah. novel with its own soundtrack. Yeah, well, the, the the music that I chose for it, it kind of came about kind of organically almost. I didn't just sit down and write a list of music as I was writing it. Uh, I know I'd be listening to music and if something kind of came into my head I'd write it down I ended up with loads of little post-it notes with just songs written on it or names of bands and stuff so I didn't actually like just go through my CD collection reading the back to try and find songs that fit I kind of let it happen that see I think that comes across because a this the songs that they fit the people it's not like you've gone through and said well the, here's a list of really cool tracks and yeah. I've put together a really cool mixtape and stuck it into a book but the songs uh, I'll talk a little bit about the premise here which is that uh, Davy Watts David Watts Davy Watts 
Um, I see Ian having a smile. Let's we'll talk about <laughs> names in a minute. Um, is given this uh, iPod, generic MP3 yeah, player, yeah. Um, and he uh, it begins to communicate with him. It begins to talk to him, and, and it tells him to to go to certain people and play a certain track. And when the track is played, a bit like in your husband's dream, it kind of <laughs> things go a bit. You know, they, they remember. They remember people, places, and things which change their feeling. Yeah. So, um, so did you? Did you have an idea that that well, in this character, this has happened to them, and therefore this track fits? It seems to me it's not just like you're you're writing the character, but you're you're almost having to know the backstory to why they're they're, they're yeah. there. Well, when I first wrote it, I didn't have their backstories in it mm -hmm. because I was just writing from Davy's point of view and he never really finds out how the music's helped them mm -hmm. so I just had it him playing a song and then moving on to the next person but then a couple of people read it and they were like no you have to tell us why it helped them because oh I think, it, yeah. I think it definitely does so yeah I just kind of started thinking about who these people were and I had quite a lot of fun trying to come up with backstories mm -hmm. for them and they're really powerful yeah. bits in the book you know some of them are, are, are they're exactly the kind of problems that music would help heal. Um, we were just talking before about me proofreading Katy Perry the movie, but there's a section. <laughs> see, it all comes out. Oh, it's all worthwhile. There's a section where she talks about hearing um, the Alanis Morissette album, uh -huh. yeah. Pill, and saying, wow, this she's really being honest. She's not hiding anything, and it's almost like a cathartic thing. And I think the music in this—that's they don't write the music, but they listen to it, yeah. and it helps them kind of get through that. Yeah, that's what I wanted to to do. Yeah, just to show how music helps. And yeah. Now, is what were the influences on on on, on writing the, the book? I mean, what I mean by that is. <laughs> It's a very common thing in Scottish writing to have a kind of psychological reading of it and also a fantasy reading of it. So where where would where would you say your reading of Trackman is, or do you just want people to take that for themselves? Oh, I don't know actually. That's quite a hard question. <laughs> well, I, I tell you why. I was writing. I was writing a thing on Jekyll and Hyde, and uh -huh. I thought, well, you know, there's the, there's the magical fantasy version yeah. of Jekyll and Hyde, and then there's the psychological mm -hmm. version of Jekyll and Hyde, and I thought the same thing about Trackman. Yeah. I wasn't sure whether. Davy genuinely had this thing talking to him, or whether this was something that yeah. he, in his distressed state, because he's distressed yeah. as well, increasingly as the book goes on. Well, that that also came about kind of naturally as well, because when I first started writing it, it was just like this is what happens to him. This actually happened. But then as I was writing it, um, and I kind of got into Davy's head, I was starting to to think it would be cool if you took it the other way, and this like it wasn't happening at all. Davy was just imagining. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think a lot of people will ask that question. Um, Particularly as his own state of mind kind of, uh, I mean, we'll talk about about the character of Davy Watts. What, what, what's what's the the well, inspiration behind that? If you like, I knew. Well, when I was thinking about it, writing it and thinking about who the trackman would be, um, it had to be someone who was chosen to be the trackman for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I just got me thinking about why was Davy chosen? What's in Davy's past that he would be the trackman? That he would be the best person to to kind of play these music to people. So yeah, I just came up with. Davy's sort of troubled backgrounds. So the, the, the idea of the MP3 which goes from person to person, he gets it from a kind of guy on the street, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so were you thinking that this is this is a machine that is, or a concept if you like, um, I'd love to think way back in the past <laughs> there was a kind of, you know, one of the big 3D superwoofer that was being handed <laughs> round to people. But um, 
that it's it's to help other people, but it's also to help themselves. There's some like something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's how it came. Yeah, so because he he's never he can never play his own tracks on it until well, you know, at the beginning. Oh, is that the match? The pipes, the pipes <laughs> are calling. There's a big march in Glasgow today, so we might get some background music. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he doesn't. He's not able to play the song for himself. It was almost like the M3 decides when he's ready to hear it, and he has to go on this journey before he's able to get his own mm-hmm. song. And yeah. Um. Well, let's talk a bit about the, 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 there is a lot of it's packed full of musical references and cultural references and stuff like that, and I love that. Um, and I'm sure, as, as I say, I missed a lot of them. But uh, as soon as you, you make someone Davy Watts, you know there, there, there is a point to it. And there's a, a few other characters there. Um, the, the, the MP3 is called Jamesy, and I was wondering. You start to read things in, and this is good to get the the writer here. It's that kind of thing you can ask people directly. Is Jamesy a kind of reference to Rabsy Nisbet's Jamesy, who's a kind of sidekick? <laughs> I never actually thought of it. They started off as being called um, Kenny for some reason, right. but then it changed into Jamesy halfway through writing it, and that stuck better than, yeah, than Kenny for some reason. I don't know. Uh, Kenny says to me, uh, yeah. South Park. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, but did you deliberately think I'm going to use some names which, you know, if people know the songs or they know the bands or something, then that gives them a little bit of extra if they don't it's not going to yeah yeah them. I wanted to give them sort of yeah musical names I think it's yeah. it's, a, it's definitely a book which rewards uh, I was going to say the nerd that's probably the wrong <laughs> word but you know it, it rewards someone who's spent a lifetime listening yeah. to music and reading books and watching films and stuff like that um, I was quite like that myself because you mentioned Alan Bissett and the Boy Racers mm-hmm. and the, uh, yeah I loved that book for all the wee musical references that it had in it and well that's it again it's, it's packed it's a very interesting comparison actually because they're both books which I think are quite uh, well, when I say cinematic I don't know if I could see them on the big screen but they would certainly be great on TV you know as hour and a half or something like that um, there's a real close sense of place but also the, the, it's very rich they're both very rich with kind of cultural references and a without overshadowing the individual characters of, of everyone because you've got You've got um, Davy, who's our hero, but then you've got this. Uh, what's the name of the the uh, roommate flatmate? Oh, Alfie. Alfie, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've got Alfie, who's this kind of philandering, uh, apparently very attractive, uh, you know, uh, guy. Um, and and it's, it's just, I think Astrid's one of the, yeah, the characters, Astrid, yeah. and there's just lots of these uh, little references that it won't. If you don't know them, it's not going to spoil yeah. it. But if you do, it just gives you that kind of extra thing. I feel it's like rewarding people. That's the way I'm it. So we talked a little bit about coming up with the music. I mean, how how did you do that? Did you just? It's obviously music that you love. Yeah. Um, so although you see, you didn't sit down with a track list. How did you approach yeah. putting the music into it? I wanted to choose songs that I liked and that, yeah, that I knew. I didn't want to choose any that I hadn't heard of before just because they fitted. So it was all music that I knew and I loved, but I also, I didn't want to, I wanted to try and keep it kind of so that it would fit lots of people's different tastes as well. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to keep it to kind of one genre. So mm-hmm. just to show how like diverse. diverse Were you worried about uh, placing it in... Um, a certain time, you know. Uh, actually, the music span, spans quite a bit of time, but there's a lot of stuff from the 90s. Um, were you worried about it at all, or just 
And I don't think it, yeah. I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't think, oh God, no, does it? Oh no. No, but I just, I think sometimes um, I've spoken to other people about this and they're very wary about putting uh, specific cultural references in because uh, they think, well, you know, that means it, it dates the book. I don't think that's a problem. Yeah. But um, you know, it never, never. I never really cross my mind, you know. Um, I think it's, it's kind of dated anyway because the Davy is reading this Harry Potter book to his brother and he works and, um, as you say in and he works in virgin megastore so that doesn't poor old virgin megastore yeah, it's terrifying <laughs> that these things have passed so quickly oh dear and you and so you're saying there is a lot of you don't have to tell us how much but there's <laughs> a, a, a lot of kind of true life stuff in the in the book yeah um yeah because i used to work in virgin megastore and princess street in edinburgh so a lot of it's based on that did you have the kind of weird guys coming in and yeah, hanging about? Yeah, there was a load of weird characters, like your sort of regulars that came in, very strange people. <laughs> yeah, but it made it a very interesting place. I'm sure. Know. So I've got a, quite a love-hate relationship with Virgin Megastore, actually, because the job itself was pretty rubbish. But I had a great time working there, yeah. and I actually met my husband working oh, at Virgin yeah. Megastore, so it was all good. He's and not I've in got the book, those, is he? No. <laughs> I've got lots of good friends. From the, who I still keep in sure. touch with from there. So. I think, um, yeah. Ian's looking to hopefully open a record store, uh, pushing yeah. against the wind, so you can, you can hear, get your own bunch of weirdos coming <laughs> yeah. around. I think the thing is is not to not to have uh, um, East European DVDs that they can kind of hang about <laughs> in, looking to see if there's an 18 certificate on them. Quite right. Um, so that they. Well, let's go back to the, the, the importance of, of music um, and I think we'll bring Ian in on this actually because uh, Ian plays music himself. Uh, there is something he healing about it. Uh, I, I remember once a particularly nice breakup and making one of those tapes. Didn't give it to anyone. <laughs> Thank God I didn't give it to anyone. But you know, that was really just full of the saddest music I yeah. could find. And almost, I mean, okay, it's a little bit self-indulgent, but I think sometimes you need to do that. And and that's not just me, is it? That's a, no, I think that, yeah. It's a kind I've of got loads of mixed tapes that I made when I was, yeah, especially as a, a teenager. So I was actually talking about this with my husband and my brother-in-law, because they're both really into music mm -hmm. as well. And we were talking about, you know, you can listen to music all your life, but there's something about the music you listen to when you're a teenager that means so much more to you. You kind of immerse yourself in it more. Well, I think um, that's right. And, and this is something... With you. Yeah, we've been... Uh, I think because you spend more time with it. Yeah. And you can't have... Like in, in, in the 90s, um, nearly nearly all the, the, the music that, that you referenced, I said, oh, your tick, got, got, got. <laughs> But um, I was working full time, I, I was making a wee bit of money for the first time, so I was just buying ridiculous amounts of stuff, and yeah. some of it, you know, I've probably listened to once and that. Whereas in my teens, you know, if I got, I remember getting the, the Talking Head Stop Making Sense album for Christmas, I'm playing it every day just because, you know, it was yeah. new and it was all, and, and absolutely living in these albums. Yeah. I think you're right, you don't tend to, that kind mm. of goes away a little no, bit. No, it's the same, I would lie in my bedroom, just listen to it and you'd read the words, the lyrics off the, yeah. the notes and just like memorise all the words and yeah, play it on repeat. I mean, that, that was one of the joys of, of, uh, of um, having things with sleeve notes and all that. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that, that you, you know, when you're, as I say, thinking of opening up a, a, a record shop, you think that that's why there will always be a, 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 a desire for a physical item, because there will be people that want to, you know, see when it was made and who produced And the thing with vinyl, which was great, sometimes the little messages that were scratched in the inside of the... But, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it'll, 
it'll always be there. I hope it's always there because it, for me, I like treating music like a book. I don't like singles and, or collections of songs. It's more about you know. It's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, and there's a tangible aspect to that that has to you have to hold in your hands. I think. Um, well, I certainly hope that that's always. Well, it's interesting. I, I get sent quite a lot of music for the site, and often it's just a link to um, a MP3 thing. And then some people say, would you like us to send you the CD? And I'm like, oh yeah, because you know, I, I want to see what they do. And Eugene Twist's a great example, fantastic bit of artwork on the cover. And um, a Aaron Arctic who we had on again, it takes a lot of time working on, I mean, he knits his own things as well. But, uh, and I love that idea that people, you know, you were talking about somewhere that you're coming up with a um, cover and the fact that you, it wasn't just that the, the the publisher said that's the cover you're going with, which I know happens increasingly. That uh, writers are you know hate the covers that end up on their books. Um, so it was that kind of collaboration. I think seems to be quite important. Yeah, no, I was yeah, I was really lucky that I was able to do that because they came up with a few different designs and um, then they, they went with that one. But yeah, I had final say if I didn't like it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, the, the cover for, for anyone who hasn't seen it is it's very simple in a way. It's just a pair of very comfortable and quite expensive looking headphones. Um, the, I'm just I'm being slightly uh, distracted by horns and honkers <laughs> going down. It's a uh, it's proper parade. It's for once it isn't the orange walk. Um, so the the music, the idea, did, did you set out thinking that music's going to be a big part of the novel? I mean, was that the kind of thinking behind the book? You came up with this idea about the, the, the MP3 going from people to people, but the, the, the importance of the music, was that always going to be...? Yeah, that was always going to be there. I think that was always quite central to it, yeah, because I think music's just such a big part of my life that um, I wanted to kind of get that mm -hmm. love out into... You know, so, the, the, but what struck me about the book was the character of Davy himself. As I say, he, he becomes more distressed, his life becomes more complicated. Um, it's a very uh, well-written... Um, a quite a moving character because you're, you're, he's head. It's a it's a bit of a journey at the end. He's beginning to to go somewhere, and you're not quite sure where. And I don't want to spoil the <laughs> ending. But um, did, were you always going to take him down some very dark, dark places? Yeah, I think he has to go down those dark places to be able to come out. To hear his song, yeah, that's I thought they're punishing yeah. him until he could actually hear his, was, uh, his cathartic song. It took me just to work out what he was actually going to hear at the end as well, because I knew it had to be had to be quite important because it was the song that kind of helped him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was that took a lot of thought. I kept changing my mind on that one. So when you came to write the backstories for the others, the the the, the a, I maybe explain a bit better. He travels around Edinburgh and comes into contact with various people who something's wrong in their life and, and the, 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 the I want to say the track man but he's the track man or, or is the mp3 the Davy's the track Davy's the track man yeah yeah so uh, <laughs> that's right so the, 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 uh, the track man for it then is going to, to, to give them to play um, you always kind of had his backstory because that's what the book is mm. so it makes sense actually to have the, the little backstories of every individual person yeah. but you say putting them in in a kind of draft down the line, did you find that a quite a difficult thing to do? Um, 
It wasn't too bad actually. Actually, once I'd done it, I was thinking, why did I not think of this before? Because yeah, it does add a whole new element to the to the book, I think. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I really actually enjoyed it. It gave me a bit of a break from being inside Davy's head all the time. <laughs> you um, was that was that quite tiring to be inside it was Davy's quite head? Tiring, yeah, because yeah. I am interested. It's a bit like an actor, you know, playing a role that sometimes says, "Well, I I, I took him home with me, and you know, I can't." Uh, I can't think of an example now, but I remember somebody saying, you know, I, I was playing this, was it Dominic West playing Fred West? It was something pretty dark like that, and went, you know, I was taking this character home at night, and I was quite glad when it was all over. When you were writing the book, were you kind of with Davy all the time? Were you? Yeah, mostly with Davy all the time, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, well, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, when you finish a book like this, are you kind of relieved? Yeah, Definitely. I was quite glad when it was finished. I, I wrote the, the last chapter quite early on, actually, because I kind of knew where he was going. Um, mm. So in, in some ways that That's very because interesting, because he, it doesn't come across yeah. in the book. Uh, although you kind of, you know, physically where he ends up, yeah. um, you're not quite sure how it's going to end, but you kind of knew that that was going to yeah, be... Yeah, I knew that was where... I just had to get him there. Yeah, so that made it quite easy, because I knew where he was going, so I knew there was an end. So there. actually yeah. getting there's the, the interesting yeah, part. Yeah, Because ah, we talked to various writers about how they, uh, how they write their book. I remember saying to... Well, Alan Wilson, who's writing his first novel, so maybe he'll change his mind halfway <laughs> through, but he said... I'm just going to sit down and, and go for it and write it and see what happens. And then we talked to Doug Johnson about the same thing and asked him if he did that and he, went, he physically looked ill. He said, oh no, I would hate that. It needs to be, you know, he's got the wall of post-it notes right. saying, well, this happens here and this happens here. And, and how, it's like a military operation whenever he goes to write book. And um, what's interesting is with you saying that you had the end and you kind of had the concept yeah. and it was just getting from one place to the other. You know, you know, there's no way of telling. When you actually read the things, all these things, you know, if it's a good book, it's a good book and it works. Um, but was that the difficult bit for you? You're saying, well, I know I want to be here and I know I've got here and then I've got to fill in between these sections. Yeah, that was quite difficult. And also, I didn't want it to get too tedious for the readers because you're stuck in Davy's head and he's he's in, he's troubled. And um, yeah, he's not protected. He's one of these unreliable narrators, so you don't know if yeah. he's telling the truth or not. So it was also trying to take him on his journey, but also trying to see <coughs> him from an outside perspective as well, because he's not going to tell everybody why he's troubled. So you yeah. have to try and you have to get put, that yeah, across to I think that's there. right, because at the beginning, you're not sure why he's been picked, and that can, then you work it out. Yeah. And he is an unreliable narrator. And that goes back to my earlier point about, you know, is it psychological or is it uh, a kind of fantasy? Is it in his head or is this machine actually... And I think I kind of came down eventually that it's in, because he is psychologically damaged. There's no doubt about that. Um, But it never went away. It never never seemed unrealistic that this thing could happen. So in a way, that's a a bit like Stevenson, you know, you take both. I'm glad it, yeah, it can be read both those ways. Yeah. Because I don't know if it puts some people off if they think it's some sort of magical fantasy. Because I wanted to try and keep it grounded in the real world as well, which is where the Edinburgh and the cultural yeah. places and everything come it in. Yeah, definitely did that. And actually, it does that thing which I love in books. It kind of takes you around places where you could if you wanted make your way around. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. I love doing that. You know, you go to any city and I love it when novels are set in Glasgow or Boy Racers is another yeah. good example. I know people from Falkirk who just go, oh yeah, that part, that's what we did there. And I think, I think, well, I think apart from anything else, it makes, you can, you know, it, it, it gives a reality to the to the book itself. You know, yes. you think, well, I can imagine Davy walked those streets and I think you kind of, 
allow the the fantastical aspect of it for that reason because everything else yeah, is absolutely real. real. Yeah, I actually made a wee Google map. I read oh, did you? Yeah. You've done some interesting <laughs> stuff because there's a, there's a track list at uh, is it Lewith.com? Is that the the anyway? If you Google Lewith Press, um, oh, we'll put up the link when we, when we post about this. I think I, I already have put the link up on the review, but you've got the track list. You can go and it is a mixtape yeah. basically. Yeah, that's quite nice. And then my uh, my husband made a Lego trailer for it with little stop <laughs> animation type oh, stuff. Oh, that was your husband that did that. Right? Yeah, Excellent. So yeah. it's been interactive as possible. Yeah, I've been trying to make it because the book's quite—it's got—I don't know—it's got that sort of visual but audio feel to it. I wanted to try and make things to go with it that were a bit like that as well. But it seems to me that that is the way forward in, in kind of getting almost any book record, you know, whatever out there is that you have to do a little bit—you have to kind yeah. of do a little bit more. And I think if if you believe in the book and you you love it and you've spent all that time. Yeah writing it and thinking about it it makes sense to me that you're going to be the best person to going to go out and say well if you like that you might like to listen to it well I have to admit I did that I thought I'm going to listen to the tracks while I'm reading the book but um, you might like to do that or you know watch this little piece of film that we made and I, Eugene Twist that we had on last time does the same thing makes you know little videos with friends and puts them out because um, it does seem increasingly difficult to get your book or your whatever notice. Yeah, it's quite hard, especially, I mean, this is my debut novel, so nobody knows who I am. So yeah. yeah. It's just trying to, yeah, get it noticed and get it out there. I think, again, one of the, 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 the good things about um, small publishers, hopefully, is that they'll they'll keep, you know, I th you hear stories about people on uh, larger, uh, with larger publishers um, who, you know, if their second novel doesn't do quite as well as they hoped, they're almost kind of like, you know, put in the corner yeah. and yeah, you fill your contractual fund, <laughs> but you know, that's it. I mean, I know people that that's happened yeah. to. Um, whereas the small publishers, they will tend to, hopefully if they're doing the job properly, not just see, well, you know, it's got a released week of a month, you know, out for a month and it's not sold as many, so we'll forget about yeah. it. They'll keep going back out there and, and giving it more. Yeah, no, I think Lyrith have been really good actually. Yeah. yeah it's been, yeah, been um, lucky with them. So what are you, are you working on anything at the moment? I'm trying to do another one, yeah. I don't know, I don't say too much because I jinx it, but it's nothing, no, that's fair nothing enough, like a uh, track one uh -huh. at all. So. Is it another dream one? Have you been No, it's not another dream one actually, unfortunately, <laughs> I know, so I'll come up with some myself. <laughs> Yeah, and um, so you, you are working and it's going to be a novel and... Yeah, that's what I'm working on just now. It's just trying to find the time to do it. Um, cause I, work, I work nine to five in an office, mm -hmm. so it's just, yeah, fitting it in. Yeah, it's the most difficult yeah. thing. Coming back from work and thinking, oh no, I've, I've got, got to, to sit there. Yeah. Is it an uplifting, can I ask if he's an uplifting or she's <laughs> an uplifting character? Or another uh, coming home and living with someone like Davy for... Um, yeah, I think she's a bit more... Oh, yeah, she's a bit more <laughs> upbeat than Davey, but yeah. Well, uh, we're going to finish off by doing, we haven't done these for a while, our five questions. Okay. I, I, I never <laughs> tell anyone beforehand, but when, when we've got someone in individual, we, we like to uh, 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 do these, and it's basically very simple. Start off saying, what's your favourite book of all time? Oh, these are quite hard. Um, oh. Oh, I'm not sure actually, but I'll maybe say Watership Down actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I go back to that bit quite a lot and I always find something new in it. Right. And I think, I don't know. Did you read it as a kid? Because it's a terrifying a kid, book. Yeah, it's terrifying, but 
yeah, it's not really a kid's book. And when no. you read it as a grown-up, you realise that. And there's a lot more than just like a bunch of rabbits. Because <laughs> it's the bit where it is certainly a lot more than a bunch of conversation, and one of them says, "Why do humans hate us?" And the other one says, "They don't hate us. We just get in their way." And I think that's such a mm. yeah true statement. Yeah. About yeah, yeah about, about many people exactly. Um, it is an incredibly powerful book. I, I remember going to see the film with my little <laughs> brother and my gran, bless her. And uh, and Andy freaked out. I mean, he was just. I hope you're listening to this, Andy. And so this is this is a, a terrible thing to admit. I cut out these black rabbits and stuck them about the house. And he was black rabbits everywhere. I was a terror. I was really young myself. I have to in my defence. But yeah, it is a very the, the film's great as well. Yeah, the film's very great as well. I like the film. A good example of a really haunting mm. uh, piece of music yeah, to yeah, accompany exactly. um, yeah, a, a terrifying yeah. scene. Yeah. I, 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 I love that book as well and there was other ones that, uh, yeah. that were similar yeah plague dogs yeah, uh, they, were, yeah. They, were, they were kind of animal farmish weren't they yeah. they were t- telling you really about human beings more than they were yeah. anything else yeah. um, okay then favourite writer oh gosh that's really hard um, you can have more than one we I think I might because I tend to be in, I'm in a Stephen King phase at the moment I'm going to say Stephen King excellent because I've just finished um his book 112263 about going back in time and trying to stop President Kennedy being assassinated. Oh right. Really, really good. I have I, <laughs> I was a huge Stephen King fan and I kind of stopped round about uh is it the two t- no, the two towers is the dark, the dark, the dark tower. The dark yeah. tower. That's because uh, um, I, I did enjoy the horror, but a lot of it became quite formulaic. I'm yeah. interested in what you thought about that because there was like Tommy Knockers. Um, oh, can't remember the one before that. But they were, you know, a group of fr- friends who hadn't seen each other for a while yeah. would come together. Something weird was going on. It would affect them all individually. Um, is that fair yeah, comment? It is fair comment, I suppose. But I think I don't know if he's moving away from that now. I don't know. You know, when he got hit by that lorry and he had that awful and he couldn't write for a while. Because mm. this one isn't really so much horror. It's more thriller almost. Sci-fi. Then, yeah, it's cool. It's time travel. Yeah. But it's really interesting as well because in it the character goes back in time to 1958 and he goes back to Derry which is where It is set and he meets oh, characters yeah. from It so oh, okay. it's all very interesting. So it's a real one for fans. Yeah, so, and that's that whole you know you, what you were saying earlier about getting a reward. Yeah. It's like oh, wait a minute I recognise these characters. Oh, I, I yeah. might check that out. You know I might do that because I haven't read a Stephen King for ages. I really enjoyed it yeah. Um, yeah. It does sound a little bit like an episode of uh, Sam Beckett's thing, what was it called? Oh yeah, Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Yeah. <laughs> you can exactly. imagine going, no, you can't save Kennedy because this happens. Because it? it's a Red Dwarf episode as well. I don't uh-huh. know if you've seen it. That's a really good episode where, yeah, they end up back at Kennedy. And it's, it's they end up getting Kennedy to shoot himself. I have seen, on, that's on right. I have seen that one. Uh, I think Stephen Fry did a novel as well about going back and killing Hitler. And what happens is the person that takes over is worse. Have you read King's book about writing? Yeah, uh-huh. that's yeah. tremendous for anyone who's yeah. thinking about writing. That's really good. It, uh, I think it's just called On Writing. On Writing, it? yeah. And um, he talks about the method yeah. or whatever, and it's uh, yeah. it's a really interesting read. And yeah. there's, uh, he's a great writer. There's no, I just because I haven't read him for a while. Yeah. Things like The Shining and uh, um, you know. Christine and, uh, and all these things are amazing, amazing yeah. books. I remember at high school actually in second year I got 
a merit prize. That's the only time I ever got an academic <laughs> prize at school. And you got a book token, and you had to go and buy a book and then bring it into the prize giving, and then you'd get it handed out. And um, I got to school with my book, and everybody else had bought like dictionaries and encyclopedias, and I had bought a uh, carry by Stephen King. So they were all getting handed out these academic books, and I went up and got my. Uh, my it's so I think that says a lot. It does say a lot, <laughs> definitely. It speaks well of you, without a doubt. Um, I think that's the thing. If you're a, if you're a reader at a young age, nobody checks what you're reading. Yeah, kind of, they're just happy that you're reading. So I was like, I was reading, you know, uh, Stephen King, uh, James Herbert, all these um, terrible, uh, dark and violent yeah. things, and even the kid stuff at Watership Down and things yeah, that were really, really uh, scary. Um, and, and yeah, nobody's. Uh, what are you doing? I'm reading a book. Oh, isn't my son great? He's reading a book. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, bodies are being dismembered as we speak. Um, but I think that's a good thing. I think, you know, people should find their way to some dark, dark yeah, stuff. I think so, uh, yeah. Certainly shaped the person I am. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you <know? laughs> I'm sure Stephen King said at one point as well, you know, if you think about the worst thing that could possibly happen, and he writes that down, and then he thinks nothing that bad will ever happen to you. So it's a way of kind of. Oh, kind of jinx it. From your, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You didn't think that when you were writing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I can write all these terrible things and they'll never they'll happen never to, happen me. to me. Yeah, oh, that's an interesting uh, way of doing it. Maybe that, that explains your husband's dreams. You see, he's dreaming about it, so in real life it's not a problem. Um, so we'll go on to music now, and I'm really interested in your answer to this because we're going to go favourite album, but we'll talk about the music in general. Album, so. Okay, I think I'll go with the white album. Ah. The Beatles. I discovered the Beatles when I was about 13 and I was on a school trip and I was like, I don't know, there was older girls, like six year girls and one of them put on a hard day's night on the bus uh-huh. and um, I remember hearing it and thinking, oh my god, yeah. this is amazing and then I got, we got off at a service station and I bought the Blue album, I spent all my money, I don't think my mum was very happy when I got back from the school trip and uh, yeah, I listened to the Blue album and then my mum had a friend who was a, like a huge Beatles fan and he just gave me every single album wow. in order, and I just listened to them all in yeah. order from the start to the end. And yeah, Who, this we were talking about the White Album last time round because we were saying how uh, you know with with the way that um, music is, you listen to music now, whether it's on a computer or on your uh, iPad or whatever, uh, iPod or whatever, you often kind of go, oh well, that's not my favourite track, and you or you use yeah. shuffle or something. But actually, you listen to an album. And the White Arm is a great example that I will always listen to all the way through, yeah. even though some song like Piggies I don't particularly, yeah. <laughs> you know, particularly like, but uh, or, or even Rocky. Actually, I've got a soft spot for Rocky Rockin'. But yeah, that that was made to be a, one one album, yeah. and I think all the Beatles, the Beatles are a great example yeah. of proper albums. band. that's funny because in the anthology, George Harrison's like when they interview him, he's like, oh. We probably should have actually taken some of the rubbish tracks out and just made it into one really strong album. Then it goes to Ringo and he's like, oh fuck it, it was the Beatles. Yeah, but that's the the great thing about someone getting to a point where they can do what the hell they like. And you almost see them, you know, Ringo in the corner going, well, if you're having that, I'm definitely having that. And a... I mean, it, it can obviously that was a, probably the tensions that eventually yeah, split them so. up. I remember a, a Johnny Marr saying, um, he'd written this beautiful piece of music he thought was the most beautiful guitar melody he'd ever done and as usual he gave it to uh, Mr Morrissey <laughs> who put some girls are bigger than others over the top of it and he went fuck you've done this deliberately there's no doubt about it and I think again they are no longer together but um, I do love that idea that people get to that stage where they just say eh, do whatever we like yeah. Yeah. although um, 
I'm sure there are pub, uh, music publishers, and I'm thinking about editing when I've edited books where you know there, are, there is stuff where you think, no, you've got to get rid of that. Yeah, I guess. Um, so the White Album and the Beatles, that, that was your kind yeah. of road. Did, did, were you interested in music before that? I was into that? music beforehand. Um, my, da- my dad got me into music really because he, he put a record player in our bedroom and gave us all the records that he had. That's and he took me to see the Corries a couple of times when oh. I was younger, so that was my first experience of live music. And uh, I think they were a brilliant way to get into it. Yeah, music. definitely. They're, like, they're all about kind of, they got the audience involved, but they would sing upbeat ones and they would sing sad ones. Yeah. Um, Craig Ferguson used to have the, the theory that there was the the happy Corey and the angry Corey, <laughs> <laughs> and they wrote, each wrote the song. Yeah. Um, I think they had that, because, you know, Roy obviously had that musical talent mm-hmm. and he created the what was the Comblins he invented the oh, musical sure. instrument and then but Ronnie he had the more kind of think nicer well more musical voice to yeah. together I think they yeah. worked that? they worked really well yeah. together they were uh, I mean growing up in in the, the, the 70s uh, and even in the in the 80s you didn't see a lot of Scottish music on TV and actually, you know, the, okay, the chorus, it was it was folk music, but, you know, it wasn't really White Heather Club, it was properly entertaining stuff. Yeah. Um, it was quite political as well. Yeah. Because I've been listening to it quite recently, and there's a song about Maggie Thatcher, who'll take the ball from Maggie Thatcher, but it's all about football, but it relates to that. And it's, yeah, I didn't get that one as a kid. No, 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 of course not, <laughs> of course not. Along, um, yeah. Again, you know, it, it, Listening to, to, to music at a formative age, you know, that, that it, it's a uh, actually spending a, lo- a lot of time. I didn't, my we had the red album and the blue album in the house, so we did listen to, yeah. to the Beatles that way. But to have the whole kind of back catalogue, that's amazing. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, so yeah, I was really into music from early age. My first, I remember I got a 10 pound John Menzies voucher and I bought um, Pet Shop Boys actually. Uh-huh, that was brilliant. the first album I ever bought oh, on vinyl Pet Shop Boys. I still got in there. So I think that kind of, was it like the folk side of the Corries and then the pop side? Yeah, the, the pop Corries. <laughs> like, pop. That kind of merged my, I don't know. Uh, just what I was going to say was, uh, you know, saying that spending your money in a service station and actually I, yeah. I did exactly, <laughs> I was at a, a, a boys brigade camp, I was about 13. <laughs> And I was really into kind of heavy metal at the time, which, by the way, is the time you should be into heavy metal. <laughs> Thirteen teenage boys—that's the time. But anyway, and I went. I found this little record shop in Perth because it was just it was in, in the, the camp was in school, and uh, I remember buying <laughs> Twisted Sister Twelve Inch <laughs> with a uh, race wristband, giveaway <laughs> wristband, um, ACDC's Flick of the Switch, and and spent all the money that was supposed to be for you know for lunches for and things like that. <laughs> On, and I sort of came back from the boys game camp with all this vinyl. Yeah, great. Um, I've never asked you your favourite album, Ian. Give us a. Oh, no, no, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it varies all the time. Uh, just now I'm still stuck on Heart of Saturday Night, Tom Waits. Tom Waits, great, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so, what kind of stuff do you listen to these days? I listen to loads of stuff actually. Um, I went to see, I went to see Rachel Sermani oh, right. on Monday night, so I've been listening to her album this week because I bought it at the concert. Um, but loads of stuff. Um, my husband's really into like New Order, The Wedding oh. Present. This is oh. probably his favourite band of all time. So I've actually brilliant. been to see The Wedding Present. Like, yeah, I was noticing your <laughs> We actually uh, we we got to go on stage with The Wedding Present in the summer. It was amazing because um, met Dave Gedge. I met Dave, yeah, because they do that Edge of the Sea, mm-hmm. Edge of the Peaks thing, and we always go to Edge of the Sea. Um, but this year it was Lewis asked 
asked them if they would mind if I came on stage because the oh, they like had sort of they had spoken word stuff in the uh-huh. past, and so we read the wedding present section out. And um, so I was on stage, uh, and my husband came up to help me because he read the. Tra- I bet he the did. Tra- <laughs> bit. Yeah, he wanted to the wedding present. So I read my wee bit, and then he went to read the bit after me. And I just was standing on stage, and I looked down, and David Gedge was like standing watching me from like the crowd, and I was like, oh my god. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, that was quite cool. So. Yeah. Um, have you heard their uh, album of? I think it's Ukrainian folk. Yeah, well, my husband is obsessed. He's got everything they've ever done. So oh, yeah, we used to. That came out. Yeah. I think it came out about eighty eight or something like that. When I would go out my pal Collins house, we'd stick this up to <laughs> bung and kind of get drunk and jump about the place. <laughs> it was oh, they, had, they played at one of the the edge of the seas recently down in Brighton. They were like oh. a part of his bill because it's like a sort of a day long festival and he has all sorts of stuff on and. Uh, most of the bands involve members of the wedding present and various other guys various other, like, yeah. playing during the day. So, and it ends with the wedding present. Mm-hmm. And the uh, yeah. New Order yeah. fan, huge New Order, New Order yeah. fan. Yeah, James is his other band. Oh, James. really? Okay, that's a band that's that kind of passed me by slightly. That's his music taste. Uh, so, what, so, uh, so that's it influenced me a bit. Um, but also like Withered Hand from oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, the Scottish music in particular, yeah, uh, was there any Scottish bands that you, you know, kind of fell in love with over yeah, the years? Um, Super Travis fan. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that stuff goes back to that teenage music. Yes, when I was yeah. about 16, Good Feeling came out. Um, so I'm quite a snob actually because I'm like, I was into them before the man who came out. <laughs> top that. Um, uh, Franny sang in a band oh, with my brother for a wee while when he was at school, it. yeah. Oh, my dad, oh, he, my second. dad's not into music at all, <laughs> but my dad says, oh, that boy used to come round our house. He's <laughs> clean to be, yeah. That's very exciting. So, yeah. yeah I, I love Travis. Lovely man. Yeah. yeah I think that's cool. the thing. I think I've been to see them live loads and loads of times and he always comes across so nice and mm-hmm. He goes on these wee meandering stories in between songs, and he's just yeah. yeah. I, I, I still think their first album. I, well, I'm, you know, I haven't listened to. I'm trying to think what the last Travis album I bought was, but um, the first album's a cracking record. Again, it's yeah. just that it's a band like, finding yeah, their sound. Yeah. So they try lots of different things, yeah. but you know, uh, if, if no one's. If anyone, for whatever reason, has ever been put off, Travis, check out the first album. I don't, yeah, tremendous. I know, because I think they've kind of suffered because of the whole Coldplay and everything. There, there was a problem, out, exactly. You know, they kind of, they were the, John the Baptist, <laughs> the Coldplay's. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, yes, they have suffered indeed. Yeah, yeah. but they don't deserve it. <laughs> don't deserve it. No, I, I agree, them. I agree, yeah, definitely. I loved, yeah, I went to see them at Bella Job, actually, in the summer, and they were really, Still really good, yeah. And I think they're recording their latest album at the moment in Norway because actually Fran's got a, a studio blog at the moment and I was oh, reading it? the other day about he was trying to get the notes for a song and it was really really high and he couldn't quite get it and they're recording in Norway so he just ran out jumped in the sea freezing cold ran back dripping wet to the microphone and managed to hit these high notes and so that's cool <laughs> that's really interesting <laughs> shows you they're sort of uh, dedication to yeah, the art exactly. desperately trying to hit yeah so um I saw them, uh, last time I saw them, they did a fantastic cover of uh, Rocket Man. Yeah. And it was, Doogie was singing uh-huh. it. And it was actually really, really good. Um, I think he's got a bit of a glam rock, hasn't he? He's got a glam rock, he definitely has. you can see, rock. Andy, he's a bit more of a, I think he thinks he's an ACDC or something. <laughs> and then you've got Dougie, who's got the glam rock kind of. It's interesting, you've got these, a, a band who definitely hits you in races <laughs> when you see them. Um, you've got the band, the classic band who met at art school. Uh, I mean, you know, and actually had lots of different influences as they, they grew, because you don't really, 
have a full do you ever have a full musical kind of idea but certainly at that age you're still finding stuff which is really new to you and then you go oh no this is what I really like mm -hmm. um, I mean Roxy Music were a great example of that all met at art school and then all just you know Ferry wanted to be the suave lounge lizard and Eno wanted to be the mad professor <laughs> um, favourite film I forgot we were doing these questions <laughs> favourite <laughs> film uh, that's a really tricky one I think I always change my mind about what my favourite film was um, the film I think I've watched the most over the years is The Great Escape. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm actually quite troubled by the fact that the England football team seems to have adopted it as their national anthem, but Steve McQueen, I went through a real yeah, Steve oh, McQueen absolutely. phase when I was a teenage no, girl. Surprising. You and still uh, think he's going to make that. <laughs> yeah. It's a great, it is a great film because it's full. It's, would they make a film like that? I suppose something like Ocean's Eleven, I'm not saying it's a comparable film, yeah. but where they get all the big names in. Yeah, but these yeah, are the yeah, superstars of the time. Yeah, um, and you know that the the whole Donald Pleasance thing about not being no, able to see and oh, no. it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I was I was <laughs> we've had this conversation before with other people, but the film that I've seen probably more than any other is Jaws. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't know if it would say it's my favourite film because I think it's this thing with books, albums, and uh, films is that sometimes you like something so much. I'm thinking of uh, let's say Raging Bull, which I love. Uh -huh. I almost don't want to watch it a lot because, you know, it might spoil yeah. things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think so, yeah. But then I also think the films that you watch the most, like the films that you love the best and then you've seen them so much that you, you start to make fun of them almost, you know, and you yeah. can take the mick at them, but it's a, an affectionate taking the mick out of them rather than... Well, you can see things that you think, well, that would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's the film I probably watched the most, but... I like uh, my classic, my old classic cinema, like kind of Fair to Remember and Now Voyager and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. So you're kind of quite happy on a Saturday afternoon when yeah, it's on Channel 4 and like, yeah. yeah, TCM. But then I don't know. I went to see that like, Ruby Sparks the other weekend. Oh, is that's this really interesting? The Paul Dano. Yeah, because yeah. um, it's all about how he's a writer and he writes. He, what he writes, he creates this woman from what he's writing, and so he can control her through his writing as well. That is interesting. Yeah, so it's as uh, if you know, if Davy had suddenly yeah. appeared at your door saying, "Listen to this, Katrina." <laughs> that, was, that was good. And the girl who's in it, she's um, related to Elia Kazan. I think she's his granddaughter. Ah, the the kind of head of um, yeah. the James Dean films and yeah. stuff like that. So oh, really? Got an interest. Yeah, I think they're they're actually going out in real life so it gives the film a bit of a weird thing oh, okay, it's got really dark bits in it as well because there's funny bits you know he's getting her to speak French and stuff but then it's got a whole dark under quality to who's directing is he directing it do you know I don't think he, I can't remember who directed okay. it no. oh, but she wrote out. it the girl who's in it right and then, yeah. so she wrote yeah, about yeah, someone yeah, writing yeah, her yeah, so it's, it's very, very yeah. twisted and we're going to finish up with, um, this is always one, a, an event that kind of changed your life. I mean, you could say listening to A Hard Day's Night in yeah, the bus well might have been... Yeah, is, yeah, that would definitely be one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to, yeah, so that probably is it. But then also, I grew up in Kinross. So when I was 17, I think, Teen the Park moved to Kinross, which oh, was yeah, probably yeah. The perf one of the perfect ages. And um, So yeah, that's probably a... So did you go to the first one? Because I went to yeah. the last one at Starclay Park. Ah, uh, see. And I got said that's in Kinross. Yeah, well, I've been, I've been to. I think all of them since I moved to Kinross. Actually, oh, yeah. so let's go back and see with my mum and dad. Ah, yeah, um, yeah. I, and that's when I would go if I could yeah, go and have a show. So I don't one. actually camp. Yeah, I don't think I could camp anymore. So that's probably. Yeah. But I think the Beatles actually hearing the Beatles for the first time. Yeah was the most life-changing event because that just led on to other things as well because when you find the Beatles 
they take you off in all different directions, as, you know. And then I went off to Bob Dylan and went. Off well, to that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a, that's why I love music probably more than than all the other stuff because it's led to everything yeah. else. It's the first piece, you know. I'd gone back to when I was about five and having a tape in the Muppets, you know, and that had a cover of a uh, Doctor Teeth, bless him, doing New York State of Mind by um, Billy Joel. So I went and got the original, and I was only about seven or something like that, Billy Joel, and then that led on to, as you say, other singer-songwriters in America, and and, and it just kind of blossoms from that. So I think, yeah, I've never thought about that, but I owe it all to the Muppets. Um, but you're right, I think music does that. You know, you read review, um, interviews with band members yeah, and, and, and they're saying, well, I've read Nietzsche or yeah. something like that. Francis, you might go yeah, in. Fran Healy, he was name-checking Joni Mitchell quite a lot when they first came out. So that led me on to Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it just takes you off and tells yeah. you that. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to wrap up there because I know you're off for a lovely lunch <laughs> and uh, we should probably do something as well. Um, thank you so much for coming oh, in. Thank and you chatting. for having me, yeah, it's been good. And uh, get yourself a copy of Trackman, it's a really good read. If you like your music, I, I think I said it, uh, there's not many books which kind of write about the, you know, the power of music. I think Alan does it in Boy Racers and there's Gordon Legg's book The Shoe which is a tremendous read and I think Trackman does that really well. It really uh, gets across the power that music can have so get yourself a copy and uh, we will be back with you sometime soon no doubt. Cheers. <laughs>